0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Loveline with neo-feminist entrepreneur and talk show host Amber Rose. I'm going to be talking about sex, relationships, and self-confidence. Everything from sexual curiosity to self-empowerment. Amber is joined by certified sex therapist, Dr. Chris Donahue. I'll be talking about my own personal experiences and answering intimate questions from fans.
1: This
0: This is Loveline
2: with Amber Rose. Hey guys, welcome to Loveline with Amber Rose and Dr. Chris. I know, you're thinking, that's not Amber. (laughs) She always does the intro. So guys, Amber's not here today. Um, Mava is a busy, busy woman and she is devastated that she can't be here. She's on the heels of an amazing weekend with Slut Walk and the Women's Conference And as flights and work schedules go, um, her flight got changed and that's kind of what happened. So she sends her love. We miss her. Her presence will be uh, missed, uh, but she'll be here next week. And, um, you know, keep up with her on social media, send the love. So it has been quite a week. Uh, A few good things have happened and a few really devastating things have happened. We do have, uh, let's just say hello, though, quickly to producer Ann House. Oh, hear how are you? you? Good, yeah, I'm well, hear how now? are you? I hear you. All right, awesome. <clears throat> so let's jump right in. And I'm actually kind of bummed Mava's not here for this one because we're gonna talk about Trump. Um, so if, you know, I think most of our listeners know that me and Amber aren't big fans of Trump's. And if he wasn't scary enough, he's just gotten a little worse. So Donald on Friday night, was one of the first presidents to ever address the Values Voter Summit, which is an annual gathering of conservatives who are anti-LGBT. And if that wasn't bad enough, they handed out flyers to promote a book that talks about, ready for this, the hazards of homosexuality. That's heartbreaking. Um, You know, we're in a time politically and socially where any form of oppression is just not okay. And, um, you know, to have a group that has support from the president who engages in anti LGBT work, which I got to tell you, as a therapist, anti LGBT work is definitely falling under sexual, emotional, and psychological abuse. Um, sexual minorities have it rough enough. And I think to have the president supporting and standing behind a group, there's a beautiful quote that kind of states his position. Um, let me see where it is here. He says, oh man, where's the quote? <clears throat> Can't find it, but basically he says that we got some good people here in the room, which is definitely an act of support. So, way to go Trump, pushing that forward. And we talked about this once before, where you know the psychological research has been done that f- children who are raised in families that are same-sexed actually have better psychological outcomes. More compassion, more self-esteem, more comfort with diversity. So um, anyway, on a better note, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, um, has put out a statement talking about their support around a campaign that I brought up a little bit in the past. So right now, we have a beautiful medication available called PrEP. If you take this medication daily, it prevents the infection of HIV from a partner. In addition to that, research was coming out saying that if someone who's HIV positive is undetectable, which means they're taking their medication as prescribed and their viral load is not detectable, that they cannot transmit the virus to a partner. And the CDC is coming, has come forward, and is in agreement with that. Um, through their research and their studies, they support the idea that a person with an undetectable, undetectable HIV viral load cannot transmit the virus, and that's really phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> not just in terms of sexuality and relationality and sexual health, but it's also important in terms of stigma, because for those of you who are out there on the dating apps and the sex apps. Um, And just out there in the single world, you're, you know, we're bumping into a lot of anti-HIV sentiments and, um, you know, this is really a big push. So let me just kind of say that line again. Undetectable HIV can transmit the virus. We also have the medication PrEP. If you're not familiar with it, Google it, do the research. Anyone who's sexual should be aware of this. It's a medication taken daily that prevents HIV infections um so get educated, you know, sexual education raises your sexual confidence, and we all need to be aware of what's going on. So that that's good news, especially on the heels of the whole Trump thing. So let's move on to a punchier topic. And anyone that's on my social media has seen that I've been out there kind of talking about this and really putting it out there. The Harvey Weinstein situation. And again, I wish Mova was here to weigh in on this, <clears throat> but Um, Harvey Weinstein he's a television exec and if you're not aware I think at this point about 13 different identified people have come forward females saying that he has sexually assaulted them uh, bullied them sexually harassed and there's also been some accusations of rape so I was on the media uh, out the media talking about this Um, you know We live in a time where there's still a lot of support around things that feed into rape culture, sexism, misogyny. And, you know, this case coming forward is really a beautiful wake up call that people in positions of power will be held accountable. And Harvey Weinstein was using his power as a really well known, very connected media, television, film mogul to bully his victims um and to take advantage of them and with everyone coming forward and i'm seeing a lot of support of those coming forward i hope it brings more people forward and also again as a lesson that we can't misuse our power and you know the television and film industry is one that has it's a a small camp of people kind of running it and i understand the threat that exists for those that are trying to build a career and don't want to upset people but um Those kinds of power moves are not okay. Um, uh, But more people will come forward, um, and I hope that that just brings people that have had similar situations maybe outside the industry, giving them the comfort to come forward as well. And I heard we got some calls. Uh, We're gonna go to our first call. We got Martin on the line. Martin, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, how are you, Dr. Chris?
2: Good, what's happening?
1: Uh, just a little concerned yeah I uh, yeah. have some concerns and stuff that I wanted to see maybe you can help me out
2: alright we got we have mother here in spirit Mava's mother, here in spirit
1: I'm sure she is yeah <laughs> she's definitely there in spirit
2: so what's happening <laughs>
1: um, alright so I've been I've been with uh, I want to call him the love of my life um, for about three years on and off okay um, and we have we, on and off, so, I mean, obviously, when we're, we just recently started, uh, we rekindle ourselves, and, um, obviously, when we were, we worked together, I have needs, you know, so I was, um, I was hooking up, I was doing, doing the thing, <laughs> and, um, so, now we're back together, and we started, you know, we were starting doing our thing, and there it's, it's, I, I love what we do, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of kissing, there's a lot of, love you know but i just can't seem to get hard right with him right uh and previously like i you know like i told you when we were were off i I hook up and i mean i'm good there's no problem at all i just uh don't know what it is and it's not the first time it's happened before where i just have a problem getting getting hard and it's i don't know i don't know what it is but i mean there's there's chemistry there's love there's passion kissing and there's other stuff but when it comes to like you know the actual thing, it's like I can't get anything to happen.
2: So it's let me just clarify. So it's you have difficulty getting an erection when you are trying to be sexual with him in all diverse various kinds of ways, just with penetration.
1: Mm, no, because okay, when we're we're kissing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when we're kissing, I, I get hard. Right. But then he, he goes down on me, uh, and 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 then it's. Nothing happens. Okay, and you know, obviously, I want you know he goes down, and then I want to you know penetrate, penetrate, and everything, and it just doesn't happen. But while there's everything else, the kissing and the biting and the pulling, it's you know I'm 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 erect. Got it. All right,
2: so nothing wrong then biologically because you are able to get erections. So uh, there's a thousand things to talk about. <clears throat> Number one, inherently. Anytime we engage in the same process uh, over and over, it's inherently going to reduce the level of arousal associated with it. And that is an unfortunate thing psychologically for anything in the world. You know, there's a reason why we don't watch the same movie over and over and over, you know, the only movie, or listen to the same song or eat the same meal. You know, newness and novelty, and I've said this before, are the most Interesting and arousing things for us as human beings. Um, Yeah. And and sex falls under that. And so, unfortunately, when we're with the same partner, uh, especially monogamously, but even if we're not monogamous with them, to be the same partner for a multitude of times or over a length of years, it's going to just quiet down the newness, novelty, and arousal that we can get to them. Um, Part of this is just an evolutionary, you know, protective mechanism where we have to be distracted and drawn to anything that's surprising or new out in the world. But that's part of the flaw in relationships. So I always tell people, always got to keep it new and fresh we tend to fall into patterns when we have sex with the same person where maybe the same time of day or we'll go through the same process where we'll kiss first and then we'll maybe do some oral and then we'll try penetration. You got to always switch it up but that's not always going to be enough um, because again, we're the same partner. So here's what I'll throw at you. You have a couple of options. Number one, try to switch it up. Try to switch it up somehow. Uh, Number two, if we're not mentally as aroused we can somehow sometimes push through that with more physical stimulation so i talk to people about what i call multiple levels where if someone going down on you is just not stimulating enough you need to add another level of stimulation that might mean have him stimulate you anally with his fingers while going down on you maybe you need to incorporate some fantasy in your mind maybe incorporate some dirty talk maybe add some porn um, but you got to add another layer because that oral just yeah. isn't pushing you into your threshold of arousal enough. Um, yeah. The other thing is, you know, horrible stat. Every 10 years through age, we're going to have yeah. about another 10% chance of having a problem with our erections. So when we're in our 30s, about 30%, 40%, 40%, 50 50%, 50%, 50%, the older we get, yeah. the more trouble we're going to have. And so... We have to get comfortable using our erections while we have them and when we lose them, keep the sex fun. Use your finger, use toys, use your tongue. When you get erect again, go back to having sex with your erection. But it's just something yeah. you're going to have to learn how to manage. Dr. Gotcha. Yes, producer Andrew.
3: Question. Mm-hmm. Isn't it also when you get something in your head, you freak out about it because you don't yeah. want it to happen again, so the entire time it's in your head like... Oh god! I hope I get an erection. I hope oh, I get yeah. an erection. And the more you think yeah, about it, I yeah,
1: that's yeah. how you feel. Yeah, like I it is. So self conscious about it every time we go. We're going right. into it now, you know, because I've, it's happened
2: before. Yeah, and that and that's going to. I mean, that's the thing is like arousal mm-hmm. and our sexual functioning is so fragile and so sensitive that if you're stressed or you know the phones ringing in the background or you hear your neighbor maybe walk upstairs in their apartment that can distract and throw you off and absolutely the anxiety of i have to perform this time i didn't perform last time what will my partner yeah. think what will my partner say that's that's absolutely going to impact us and that's why in those moments you have to find ways to push more arousal towards you. You have to focus on things that turn you on in your mind. You have to amp up the level of physical stimulation to kind of push through.
3: Gotcha. Or maybe even try something that you've never tried before, like doing it at the beach or doing it <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like, I want
2: to hear Ant's suggestions. Wear yeah, antics. The I, filthiest, I, you know. filthiest, No, but you can just think
3: somewhere of. that's totally different and yep. new and you're. You're, you know, trying to do it while the security guard's down the hall and you, you need Ooh, to know man. that, you know, you're focused more on being yeah. caught right. than your erection. Yeah. And then yeah. maybe. Yeah,
2: yeah, because I know, I know in my sex life, I try to not always have sex in the bedroom. Sometimes it's on the couch. We don't always start by making out first. Sometimes I go actually right to oral. And then we make out yeah. and then we go back to world and then there's some penetration. Sometimes there's no penetration at all. Sometimes one of us just gets off and it's about yeah. just that one person. You just have to really switch it up. But again, if our thinking is turning us off, we have to push up the physical stimulation. If the physical stimulation is not enough to get us off, we have to amp up the psychological um, stimulation. You got to kind of mess with those two levels. But again, inherently, Eating the same meal over and over is not is going to taste less each time. You know, tastes not as good each time. And yeah. sex the same yeah. partners going to be a problem. So switch it up. Try new things. Add some other layers of stimulation. And you know, find other ways to be penetrative. There you go, man. Good luck. All right. Sure.
1: Thank you so much, Doctor. All
2: right. Bye. I Appreciate
1: it. Have a good
2: one. And that's one of those bummer's. You know, there's just some psychological and biological. Um, rules and laws that um, monogamy can't break through, and uh, that is why, kids, <laughs> we have to keep it new and novel. We tend to fall in the same patterns where we do step one, and then step two, and then step three, and then step four, and we think sex always has to be about penetration. And you know, some of the best sex of our lives is sex that isn't penetrative um or is done in a new and surprising way. And so, the sooner you guys can start that, the better it's going to be so that when you have those moments where it's not going the way you want, you're not going to panic. You know, you're going to be more comfortable with being more creative because you started your relationship that way. Um <clears throat> and also just make sure that you don't don't personalize it. You know, your partner not always being aroused or you not being able to be aroused is not necessarily a sign that you're not attracted to or interested or in love with your partner um, that love and attraction can exist and also still have those problems so hang in there but um, alright so we got someone else on the line uh, Morgan we got Morgan on the line <clears throat>
4: hi. Mor-
2: Morgan what's going on it's Dr. Chris hi Dr. Chris
4: oh my gosh I'm really nervous this is so awesome <laughs> don't be nervous um, what's
2: happening what's <laughs> happening
4: Okay, so um, about a month ago, I got diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, and um, my doctor and like other Lyme-literate doctors believe that it could possibly be a sexually transmitted disease.
2: Wait, stop there. Um, just because like, the love bacteria
4: resembles like syphilis, kind of. I and love also the A lot Lyme. of couples come into their office and um, and and uh, happen at the same time. Right. And so, I guess like my question is like, at what point? Is it appropriate for me to bring it up to someone that I'm seeing or like that I'm talking to? That this is a thing that could possibly be a thing.
2: Okay. First off, I love that you use the word lime literate. Um, yeah. It's I'm I'm a fan of finding specialists or people that have done a lot of research in specific areas because I think. We assume that every doctor or every um, person in a specific field just knows everything about everything, and and we Mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I always say to people if you have a specific sexually related problem, go to a sex therapist, you know? So, Lyme literacy, that's Mm -hmm. great. Um, The sexual transmission of Lyme disease is actually something that a lot of people aren't even aware of
4: yeah they don't know about it it's so crazy yeah. I didn't know about
2: it yeah I mean it's 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 newer research that's really examining that so for those that are listening that are thinking I thought Lyme disease was you know something that occurred through an infection with a tick that's that's how it happens mm-hmm. to the majority of people um, but there are some studies that are showing that it's possible that it's sexually transmitted uh, easily more so from a male to a female than a female to a male or is what the studies are showing mm-hmm. but it they're saying it's possible, so Morgan to go directly to your question: question is, when, how do I share this? So it kind of becomes, yeah, similar to the question of that I get it when someone says, you know, I have a, a you know STD and I'm in a new relationship. It's also similar to the question I get around people that are in addiction recovery. This actually comes up a lot with them where they say to me, you know, I'm dating someone and. I'm in recovery, and I don't know how soon or when to tell them that I'm an addict, and and all that. Mm-hmm. So, number one, there's there should be no shame in someone having an STD. We mm-hmm. sadly live in a culture where we think that that's a sign of someone being dirty or bad, or you know, having done something wrong. And we all, if anyone is sexual in the world in any capacity, uh, we are all capable of getting infected and it's not an achievement that someone has never and someone's not dirty if they have. But Mm -hmm. in terms of compassion, I think that if you're going to be sexual with someone or doing anything with someone that sets them up for risk of transmission of something, that is absolutely the moment at which you need to share with them what they're possibly gonna be coming in contact with and to talk it out. Right, Um, and so
3: like, you
4: don't think that like, because I have friends who have said some fr- some of my friends say I don't have to say anything until, you know, we're possibly going to have sex. Right. But some friends think I should just tell them immediately, like when we like on the first date before we even like any physical contact happens.
2: Well, here's the thing. Here's how I think about this. Um I think we have to always take context into account, which means if we lived in a perfect world where everyone was highly educated and stigma didn't exist, sure, on the first date you could say to someone, just so you know, I have an abuse history, you know, I have five years sober from Mm -hmm. heroin, I do have an old police report because during my drug use I might have robbed some banks, I also am Mm -hmm. positive for an STD, and the person would say, I understand all that, you know, that's not a problem, we don't live in that world. There's so much stigma, so I don't think Upon meeting someone that we don't know, I don't think we disclose things to them that might be possibly triggering or very personal um, until Mm -hmm. they've earned that trust. I believe that people have to earn their way into deeper parts of our life, our history and who we are. They earn it and that we don't just disclose things right off the bat on a first date to anxiously get approval from them. I don't think we do that. Okay. And so I think you wait until you've realized this is someone who's meaningful to me. This is someone who's important Mm -hmm. to me. And this is someone who I can trust and has earned the right to understand information that isn't bad or wrong, that I shouldn't have shame Mm -hmm. around, but that I know we live in a shame-based culture and they might struggle with that. And I want them to know who I am and be able to hear that. But absolutely before sex, you should, Yes
4: okay yeah for sure I mean I knew I knew that part but I was just yeah I was confused about when I should uh when it's like appropriate but I really appreciate that like I appreciate you saying that like um I I appreciate just the podcast in general how you guys try to destigmatize you know STDs because even even before this I actually had a good friend growing up who had HIV and so I I learned a lot about HIV through her and I I've always you know STDs haven't been as big of an issue for me um so yeah like I really appreciate you guys talking about it so much
2: awesome yeah thank you for that and and just remember that you know this other person doesn't know you yet, and so it'd be understandable if you present it as having mm-hmm. a complex life that they might be like, "Wow, I don't really want to take that on." Even though everyone he goes or she goes on a date with has a complex mm-hmm. life, I want them to get to know who you are, and then they may be more willing to stick around and deal with might what might seem complex to them. But um, right. I'm not saying to withhold it because it's bad or wrong. It's again about just trust and knowing what they'll do with right. it and process it. But yeah.
4: Okay, 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 awesome. Thank yeah, you so much for your advice. Yeah, I really appreciate always. it.
2: Circle back and let us know how it goes.
4: Okay, okay. And can you uh, can you just let Amber, I, said, I know I said hi.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. She's going to be listening to this and I'm going to text okay. her afterwards and let her know how much she was missed and I'll let her know that you said, hey, what's up and thanks for the work we do.
4: Okay, awesome. Thank awesome. you so much, thanks, Morgan.
2: Chris. All right, bye. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, <sighs> Anyone who's being sexual has the possibility of coming in contact um, with viruses and bacteria. But as I've said before, that's the case if you're going to leave the house, if you're going to be touching doorknobs, hugging babies, uh, you can get a cold or sick. Right, you know, flying on an airplane, um, sitting near people. So it's just part of kind of being out in the world, and you know. STDs, it's it's difficult because the stigma for people to talk about them and disclose them, and that's also part of what creates some of the higher rates of transmission. If people were able to share that, then they might more so, and then people can go get tested when they need to and get treatment. And some people don't come forward and share that they've put you at risk because they're afraid of the stigma, and then you might not know. And so... Again, if someone calls you or texts you and says, hey, I wanted to let you know I'm positive for something or I found out after we were sexual, you know, say thank you. Thank you for reaching out and letting me know. I will go get tested um, and be an adult about it. Um, That's just part of being a relational sexual being in the world. So uh, thank you for that honest call. I always am impressed when people can be very vulnerable about what's going on in their life. And that's why... I want people to see that as a compliment. Someone cares enough about you to let you know what's going on for them. But um, I don't think we always need to rush in anxiously to get approval. So, but as we said, anytime you're gonna have sex with someone, that's absolutely the important moment when you disclose those things.
4: Welcome back to Loveline with Amber Rose.
2: So I think we have another caller on the line. This is Alexandria. Hey, Alexandra, it's Dr. Chris. Hi, Dr. Chris, thank you so much for taking the call. Sure, how's it going? I'm going good. (laughs) What's going on?
0: Alrighty, so I called in a couple days ago, and um, I've noticed this pattern going on in my love life. It just seems like I'll meet men who are highly interested in me, and when we converse, we hit it off romantically. And sexually everything seems to be going really good and then like out of nowhere they'll just seem like really uninterested in me or they'll ghost me and I just I don't understand what I'm doing or, you know, what's going on with the mentality of these men. Um, because I had a, a recent situation where this happened and um The guy, he just acted like he was so into me and, like, he wanted to date me, and um, we just had a really good connection. And then just out of nowhere, he our communication just dwindled down again, and he literally will text me uh, maybe just three-word responses nowadays. Like, I'm even lucky if I can get that. And um, when I brought up the idea of potentially meeting him, because we've only been chatting um, online, he said maybe to me. So... I don't know
2: what's going on. Uh, that is, oh man. There is so much in this. This is what's so frustrating. So I know. As a couples and sex therapist, I get the gift and the curse of sitting with people in uh, on both sides of what you just explained. Where I've yeah. worked with the guy who's doing to you what he's doing, and I've worked with the guy or the girl on the receiving end, uh, you know, of what you are going through. And so let's let's break this down. So okay, number one. Dr. Donahue's rule for online dating is meet the person as soon as possible. Okay. And that sometimes might mean because of a distance to Skype or FaceTime as soon as possible. But, um, so here's, actually this is, let me break it down a little bit more. So I say to people, always talk to them on the phone before you meet them for the first date. Right. I, I don't support, you know, texting or talking on the app and then going right to a date. I always say, get them on the phone first because, Something uh, magical happens in terms of your ability to better assess interest, chemistry, and compatibility when you hear their voice and you really see what it's like to sit and spend some more time with them intimately. And the phone helps us do that. And if you can get them on Skype or FaceTime, even more so because yeah, you know, they might look really good looking at a picture, but when you can see their movement and their expressions and their posture and hear their voice, it really helps you determine that better. And then again, right. Don't get into these like you know one week, two week, five month relationships without having met them. If you can, it's really important sooner than later, and that's a sign of interest. If you're like, "Hey, we've had a great day uh, talking today, and yesterday was great. Like, let's meet for coffee tomorrow." That's that's a beautiful sign of interest. And if they're also interested, they'll go. They'll be glad you wanted to do that. If they really want relationship and connection, so if they're dragging their feet, that's an important sign that they're either. Not that interested. They're unsure, or they're not that available, and you want to know that,
1: Hmm.
2: Um, yeah. Because you know, me and Amber talk about this all the time. We like a lot of intimacy and closeness, and so if you're not the kind of person that wants to talk a lot and wants to sit with me, wants to get me know, get to know me um, really deeply and in a shorter period of time, we're we're not actually compatible, and that's okay to acknowledge that. Like, you know, and it sounds like you want something more. So that's number one. Um. Number two is where I'm going to break your heart a little bit. Ready? Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, finding someone who you're compatible with enough and the chemistry is good enough where there's going to be maybe a long-term ongoing relationship, it takes a little bit of assessment. And that can take talking a couple times, maybe meeting a couple times, and it's it's appropriate and it's okay and it has to be understandable that after maybe someone's met you a few times or gone out on a few dates or spoken to you for a while that they come to realize this isn't actually as compatible um, or as much chemistry as I thought. You know? Right. And mm-hmm. that might be what's happening and, and I want you to allow that because I want you to give yourself some kind of a random number where I tell my patients, 15. It's going to take Fifteen so-so and eh, going nowhere dates before you meet someone where you're really going to click because we can't expect to have a lot of people out in the world that we're going to be that compatible with. And so every time you have a bad date or doesn't go well, say thank you and just check it off the list. because You have <laughs> twelve more to go. Okay. Got to have that's in understandable. There. But but <laughs> I'm going to land it with this. Okay. Those that aren't being honest with people about their level of interest and those that are ghosting, you're a dick.
0: You know, and here's the, the really weird part about it was whenever he was ghosting me for like a month, he was still watching my Snapchat stories and visiting my online dating profile every yeah. single day. He was, yeah. And like, why did they do that? Why didn't they do I'll that? tell you why.
2: He's either okay. unsure or he's not as available or he can't actually handle a lot of closeness and commitment. None of those are anything you you want. And I want to give you permission to be like, you know what, he's hot, he seemed cool, but we aren't compatible, and that's okay, and that's disappointing, but not what I want, and so I'm going to focus on something else.
3: I have a question. Please. I have a quick question, and I don't know if I missed this while I was working over here. That's all right. This is, again, producer Wait, have you seen him? Has what no, we haven't. We
0: haven't video chatted. We've only talked on the phone. Um, like you know, for that closer personal connection, we've only had phone conversations. But it it feels like to even get him to talk on the phone was like pulling a leg. And then he just, like video chat was completely out of any questioning. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and catfish, I'm like, what
2: catfish, about catfish? Catfish? catfish.
3: What if he's not who he says he is? It's
2: that is that's very possible, and that's why. That's possible yeah. in today's day and age, and even if he's not, Mike just okay. And even if he's not, I thought my mic just cut out. And even if he's not catfishing you, if you're the kind of person where you're interested enough that you want to take the time to get to know him and talk frequently, or you're the kind of person like me who likes a lot of closeness and so you want to keep up frequently, and they don't, you are not compatible. Period. Yeah, and you want to find someone who does want that because. Again, I have a lot of men in my practice and they're saying, I'm online, I'm single, I want to find a girl that wants relationship, I want to find, like there's men that are looking for that and you just have to be willing to acknowledge a lack of compatibility sooner than later and if someone's disappearing for periods of time, just say to yourself, this isn't really what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. But um, to those, that are, right. to those that are ghosting, man, be honest about your interest or lack thereof you know it's really hard to send that text but it's very loving and i've had to send them myself where i say something like hey you're really great it's been fun getting to know you but i i, I try to be authentic and, and compassionate so i gotta let you know i'm really not interested in taking this further be clear let people know when you're not interested
5: mm-hmm.
2: it's horrible to be dragged around like you're talking about alexandria it's it's horrible yeah. so don't do that it really to is. people
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's it breaks my heart, but I do have to admit to myself. I think I was in denial. Trying to push something that obviously wasn't there.
2: Yeah, don't ever do that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try to don't try to force something. Um you know, the beautiful thing about the apps, as difficult as it can be on there, is that it gives Mm -hmm. us a wealth of people. To try to connect with where we can be spending an hour or two every day just kind of trying to connect with different people. It can feel overwhelming, but um, you know, keep up at it. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you. All right. I appreciate of it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Okay. So that's kind of the takeaway. Well, and, that, and yeah. for
3: people who catfish, Horrible. get a life. Stop being a jerk. It's
2: mean.
3: Like what? What? It's you have mean. nothing better to do than try and trick people.
2: Yeah, you're you're Stop. you're messing with someone's happiness and their mood and their hopes it's and just, their dreams, and you're wasting their time. But but so are people, and that just won't be honest about their level of interest or availability. It's right. hard to tell people that you're no longer interested in dating them. I've I've given those texts. I've gotten those texts. And you know what I say when I get those? Thanks for being honest with me. Thanks for not disappearing or sending me weird maintenance texts that made me think maybe you were interested. Don't do that.
3: Right. But I think there might have been some level of interest there in the beginning or potential interest. Where catfishing, there was never a possibility of anything because you're, you know, you're... Pretending to be somebody else. Yeah, and
2: having seen uh, that movie and having watched the television show, you get to see how destructive that is because people start to build their lives around some of these, you know, quote unquote, fake people that act interested in them, and so whew, that is harsh. But um, you know, again, healthy, mature dating is about taking responsibility. No one's, no one's a hookup. No one's a trick. No one's some random person if you're going to engage someone and have sex with them, you're taking on a responsibility. It's another human being we're talking about. So take that seriously. You know, um, Let them know how you're feeling and be kind and be honest. And um, anyway, I wonder what Amber thinks about all that. <laughs> I know what she thinks about that. She's also a fan of honesty and compassion. Um, I think that's the hardest thing to, to hear in my office as a sex therapist is people coming in and just how much damage is done to them at the hands of people um, not being honest, authentic, or forthcoming about, you know, their interests because dating shouldn't have to be a process um, that that injures, you know? Um, and that's kind of what, in, what my next book is about. It um, won't be out till next year, but it's going to be about authenticity, which is what I was talking about at the Um, women's conference and the slot walk be more authentic um anyway so we are going to go back to the phone lines we have alex on the phone alex what's going on it's dr chris
6: Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy to talk to hey. you. I just love your podcast Thank so you. much. Um, I have to fangirl a little bit, That's all right. but um, I'm just so <laughs> excited that people are talking about not feeling shame for having sexuality and something I'm really passionate Amen. about. Amen. Um, love it. Thank <laughs> you. But anyway, I, I do have kind of a problem. Okay. Um, me and my boyfriend have a wonderful relationship. You know, we've been dating for three years. We live together. We're very happy. Um, but like a month ago, our home was destroyed in a hurricane. And uh, it's just been kind of a stressful time for us, obviously. Oh, man. So, but I'm sorry. Um, one of the things that has definitely changed is I don't know, it's, it's just dealing with crises differently. But I do not want to have sex at all. And I've always been a very sexual person. And it's something that we use to feel close and intimate um, a lot of what you talk about. Yeah. So, um,. I really want to get back to having sex, yeah. but it's just like even physically, it like doesn't feel good anymore. And I was just wondering if you had any advice for me.
2: Yeah, I do, I do. And you know, first off, I'm sorry to hear that uh, about the tragedy you've suffered. And I, I want to use that word because it's important to take seriously the impact that life events have on us emotionally, psychologically, relationally, and as you're talking about sexually. And you went through a trauma, and that's going to be held in our bodies, um, sometimes longer than expected. And, you know, when something's happening that's very stressful or very upsetting or very traumatic, it's often our sexuality that can be one of the first things that kind of shuts down. And it's understandable because, you know, you go into kind of more of a uh, fight or flight mode where your, your body and your psychology is geared towards, am I safe? Um, are all my basic needs getting met? What kind of self-care do I need to have? So, you know, legitimize that and I understand the loss of sexuality because as you kind of talked about really beautifully, it's a great resource and way to stay close to our partner. I guess the first thing I want to say is don't panic, okay? Your, mm-hmm. your sexuality is still there. You're still a sexual being. It will come back. Um, try to not as difficult as it is, apply more stress and pressure by thinking you should be further along or more sexual than you are. You know, the like yeah. try to just take a little space and have some confidence that where you are is okay and that you will go forward into a new sexuality. Um, the second thing I'd say is try to kind of translate a little bit or reframe what you're calling sexuality right now. Um, A lot of times we think, you know, sex is penetration and a lot of hot and heavy, you know, touching or a lot of oral and in certain times in our lives we have to have a little bit of a different definition and allow things that are maybe a little more on the sensual, um, affectionate side to fall under the label of sex and to be what we're doing and utilizing to feel close.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm just like, a little bit like worried about is because i don't want him to feel like i'm pushing him away because i feel like it's one of his needs yeah. to be sexual with me to feel close with me
2: has he said that you know and i
6: want to be respectful of that need but at the same time this like almost like fake it till you make it yeah. kind of thing that we're doing now is where like i don't want to push him away but at the same time i just feel like it's not quite right.
2: What what if if I were to talk to him, what would he say? Have you spoken to him directly about it?
6: Oh yeah, he okay. he just wants to make me come, but it's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I can't get in the mindset, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Are you are you comfortable uh engaging in sex with him that's more geared towards just stimulation for him and him getting off? Uh
6: yeah. It's just you know like when you come it's like such a wonderful stress relief too. And yeah. it's almost been like more frustrating sure. <laughs> because like I don't know if it if it happens that like your body just turned off, yes. but it's just like I used to be into porn, I used yeah. to be into masturbation, I used to be like very sexual and I just have never experienced it. It's like somebody like switched off a button
1: in me. Oh,
2: and it's scary. I, I'm with you. I'm a very, very sexual person, just like you said. And just to relate <clears throat> and to try to normalize, Again, I'm a very sexual person. Clearly anyone who listens to podcasts knows that. But I've you know, the first moment in my life where I had also a very serious life event occur and my sexuality got shut down, I panicked also, right? Knowing all that I know, having worked in the field for almost two decades, I myself panicked and I thought, Oh my oh my god, who am I right now? And I had to remind myself Part of being sexual is is also at times not being sexual. And part of being Mm -hmm. sex positive is to sometimes not have sexuality and for that to be okay, right? And so it's so scary when our sexuality shifts drastically, but we have to understand that that is a natural phase and part of the sexual cycle. And I would say focus on maybe being more affectionate because cuddling, touching, massage, those things can feel very erotic, they can feel very bonding, and also sometimes those can start to spark more arousal and maybe get us interested in moving into um, just masturbating while sitting with our partner or just giving our partner oral sex, and maybe from that we're interested in letting them do something to us. Just stay open, but still Mm -hmm. try to engage in the affectional, sensual stuff and let that be enough right now, and if you feel like you wanna go further, push it a little bit further, but I really want to tell you just to kind of let yourself be where you are right now and heal in all the other ways.
6: Oh, thank you so yeah. much, Dr. Rez. that Just to hear that it's like it'll come back and it's not like yeah. I've changed forever is no. just wonderful news. No
2: and, you know, but, uh, circle back in another month and check in with me and we'll talk more where you're at and see where, and we'll problem solve then.
6: Oh, I love that. Thank okay, you so beautiful. much. All
2: right, you be well. All right, bye.
6: All right, thanks. Bye.
2: I mean, that's really so beautiful that that call came in because, you know, I want to kind of reaffirm it that part of being really sexual is, again, at times allowing moments of chosen um, celibacy or a shift towards things that are less sexual neurotic and maybe more sexual and affectionate based. And, you know, being sex positive is about supporting sex and also people's Uh, phases of less sex or no sex or, 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 you know, changes in what's arousing to us. And it's scary. You know, some couples really prioritize sexuality and it's one of their favorite resources and tools for reconnecting after a fight. You know, you get in a fight and sex is the first thing you do to really push close. Um, And so when we lose that tool and that resource, it's really off-putting and it can be really disorganizing. I've had that in my own life. But it's a beautiful example of the vulnerability of sexuality and being a person and we have to be able to in those moments really rely on all the other connective tools that we have. And that's why I'm really a big fan of those moments of just trying to maintain closeness with affection and touch and kissing and eye contact and kind words and, you know, cute texts and stuff like that. I think it's um it's, it's beautiful in its own right, but it's also a great uh, placeholder. And as I was saying to um, the caller, it can also be sometimes a bridge and spark that arousal, and we kind of allow that to push us further. So don't panic. <laughs> You're not a person who's lost your sexuality. It will come back. Um, but it's important for us to talk about those things. Um, life events really impact our sex drive. It's, it's that fragile at times. But um, anyone in a long-term relationship is, is also aware of those kind of shifts back and forth. Um, so Anne is getting our last and final call. Um, I wanted to kind of just throw this out to you guys. We try to do our podcast every week. Uh, Amber and I are both very, very busy. We both have our own families. And we, we you know, try to give you guys something every week to kind of listen to, to educate you, to entertain you. We do our best. We're not always able to be here, um, so please don't send us those horrible <laughs> tweets and messages shaming us for not you know, being here every week. We're doing our best, but here we are. Um, but we have our next caller. We have Deja on the phone. Deja, are you there? It's Dr. Chris. Hi, Dr. Chris. Hey, how's it going?
5: How's it going? Hi, Amber. I love you guys so much. Oh, thanks. <laughs>
2: Amber sends her love.
5: Oh, she's not there? Oh. Amber's
2: not That's here okay. today. Yeah, Amber, oh. <laughs> uh, work stuff happened, kind of explained at the beginning of the show, but she's not here with us today. It's just me.
5: Okay, it's okay. You're still just as great. <laughs> thank
2: you. Thank you. So what's going on? How can I help you?
5: Um. Okay, so... I have to give a little backstory. Okay. So I am 22 years old. I've been in a year-long relationship um, with my boyfriend who is 23. Okay. Um, and over the past month, it's been really rocky because we had a situation occur where um, he was texting other people and he was sending them very explicit ex- explicit messages saying like certain sexual things that he wanted to do okay. and he was sending pictures of himself like his you know penis and things of that nature so um when i found those uh messages i found out he was texting this to transsexual women and um that was not something that i knew he was sexually into so it was like all, a shock everything at once was a big shock to me because it's like here you are like sexing other people and I don't know about it and then it's like it's not even just women it's transsexual women which is not a problem it's just like I didn't know so um I don't know I'm just like I don't know how to handle that situation where it's like I didn't think that was something that he desired and if it is it's just really all shocking to me.
2: What, what would you say was was more difficult for you, in all honesty, finding out that he was sexting or who he was sexting with?
5: Um, who he was sexting. And it's not because I have a problem with it. It's just right. because I don't have, I, they have something that I don't have. So right. if that's what he wants, I need to know that. Right. So I'm not wasting my time.
2: How, how did you or how are you dealing with, and we'll get to that, but how are you or how did you deal with this, just the general sexting with him?
5: Um, well we had like a long conversation about it and like I took a break from it. I took a break from the relationship and he like begged me to come back and I told him that um if we seeked out counseling, um, you know, just to talk to someone just mainly because I didn't know how to handle it. Like I didn't I didn't know if I was mad or if I was like I didn't know what I was feeling. I was just so confused. I was like I need a third party here. So we did go to one counseling session and I didn't think it was a good one because my counselor just kept telling him, telling me to leave him, which I don't think oh, is a solution. Cause I, I do love him. <laughs> yeah. Like at, horrible. In the session she blatantly said, you know, you, should, you need to pack your bags and leave him. And I was like, Oh, that's Damn. not.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's crap therapy. Okay. I, I, I was so on board with the story. I was like, that is great. I mean, cause number one, congrats to you. It sounds like if that's how it went down, you, you handled discovering your partner was not honoring whatever commitment he made around, you know, monogamy with you. And you're like, let's go to couples therapy. And I was like, that is beautiful, especially at your age, how mature and sophisticated. So I'm sorry to hear that you were let down by the counselor because that, that's crappy advice. You know, if you're going in there saying, I want to work on this relationship, um, and I think you should work on this relationship. I don't think cheating or sexting and all those things are reasons to leave So, and I think it's a call to do what you did, which is let's have a talk. Like what's going on? What's what's that about? What's missing here? Um, mm-hmm. That felt not honest. I, 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 I have to be able to trust you. Can I trust you? Like those are all the beautiful things. So what I'm hearing is nonetheless, um, you are still interested in being with him and that's why you want to understand the transgender sexting, Right.
5: Yeah, okay. I love them very much. So right. I just want to figure it out. So okay, beautiful. So I can know beautiful. how
2: to be a partner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. So, you know, a couple things. Number one, um, the word these days that people are most comfortable with is transgender. So I'll just throw that out there just for, you know, the sake of languaging. Um, but, uh, you know, sexuality is so diverse and it's so fluid. And we live in a culture where a lot of people feel a lot of shame and stigma if they're interested in in uh, sexuality and if things arouse them that tend to fall in the category of minority status or based or not as well accepted or well known. And so, yeah, it's very possible that your partner has a very diverse sexuality in terms of what arouses him with the gender of his partner. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm someone who's been in relationship and sexual with every possible gender. And I would... And I, and yet I'm still able to be in a very committed monogamous relationship with just one person. Because, you know, just like we're all attracted to maybe different races or body heights or penis sizes or body shapes, that doesn't mean we have to have all of them at the same time. It doesn't mean we're not able to commit to the one person we're with, right? So mm-hmm. I don't want you to see it as competition, just like, you know, if you found out he likes women that are taller than you as well or shorter than you, that you have to compete now with taller women and shorter women. It's it's just Part of the wealth and diversity of things that he's attracted to. It doesn't necessarily mean he wants to be with men because someone transgendered is 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 someone who's identifying as I don't I don't know if this is a male to female or female to male, so I don't know how they identify. Um, we also don't necessarily even know what their anatomy is, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to feel like there's any reason to believe he's not sexually attracted to you. Okay. Um. But it doesn't sound like you're confident in that.
5: Well, I mean, it's not that I don't think he's sexually attracted to me. Because this happened like almost three weeks, almost a month ago. Okay. So we've just kind of like been dealing with it. And we have had sex since. So I know he's sexually attracted to me. We still have great sex. It's just I want him to be completely and utterly honest with me. If he doesn't know, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's like, I discovered this. Like maybe he, not necessarily he doesn't know, but maybe he's confused about his feelings. Um, what, what, you what, in know, what way though? About what he's attracted to and what his desires are.
2: But it sounds like it's hard for you to imagine that he could like both.
5: No, it's, it's not. I just okay.
2: want him to be honest
5: so I can know. Like, so he's, cause he's telling me it's not something that, he's like, no, like I'm not into that, I'm not into that. But I'm like, I see the conversations and you were into it when you were having cool. the conversation.
2: Let me give you a different angle. Um, I I want you to trust that what you're experiencing is real sexually with him. So when he's having sex with you and you're like, he's aroused, I'm aroused, this feels good, he's into me. Trust that. Have confidence in that. Like, you need to. That's real. And I would say, look at it like this. You know, again, when people are aroused by things that fall under the category of not standard or traditional, um, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of shame around that. And so I believe he is aroused by transgendered individuals and it's really hard for him to be forthcoming about that. Understand that and instead of trying to get him to acknowledge that to you, go more of the route of how can I make him feel more comfortable about it so that he feels safe about it and he knows it's acceptable and maybe at some point he'll be willing to discuss it with me, but he doesn't have to okay yeah that makes sense because i've been with people that i knew were into me but i was thinking you know what if i ever told them the full history of my sexuality i think it'd be hard for them to understand and so i didn't bring it all forward because it wasn't really relevant because i was into them they were into me we were doing something that made sense and if down the road they heard or stumbled upon something if i was confident we would talk it out but not, not everyone's comfortable yet. We still live in a culture where a lot of people feel bad dating people that are, you know, non-gender, transgendered, agendered, mm-hmm. you know, queer. And so it's understandable that he might not be comfortable owning that right now. But I don't think you should force him to. Okay. If you know he's attracted to you and you know he likes you and you're comfortable that you can trust him and that he's not going to be sexting people, then all's well. Okay. You know, I don't want us to think we have to know every dimension and piece of what turns people on, and that's why I say to people, you know, if your partner's willing to let you know what he's masturbating to or fantasizes about, that's a gift, that's beautiful, say thank you. But if they're not, honor that as well, because they might not themselves have really accepted some of the things that is arousing to them, and and our culture makes that understandable.
5: Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
2: And, thank you, it yeah, from that perspective. Thank you, yeah, and just do, do a little reading and research and find some really sex-positive stuff that can help you and support you in really understanding how common it actually is that people have a diverse sexuality and how common it is for people to like multiple genders at one time. Um, My book, Sex Outside the Lines, you know, I wrote that to really help people like you really feel Mm -hmm. comfortable with all these different things. So maybe purchase that. But, you know, sit with it longer, love him, trust him if you think you can and and kind of go with that.
5: Okay. All right. Good luck. All right, Deja, thank Thank you. you. Have a good day.
2: All right. All right, guys. Well, that takes us to the end of the show. Um, And as I said...
3: Good job. Dr. Chris, that was awesome.
2: I'm trying to fill, you know, two seats. Mine and Amber's. No, you were awesome.
3: Gems were flying. Thank you. And it was... um, People were psyched to talk to you. And it was was awesome. Good job. Thanks for
2: being here. And we're going to have Amber next week. Of course. Yeah. More to come. Um, and And again, I'm trying to me and Amber are working on possibly doing a, a new mm-hmm. project together soon. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll be talking about that. Right. And, and um, good stuff. Definitely all right, guys.
3: Good things happening.
2: All right. Oh, so do we have the number, the call-in number? So anyway, like I said, uh, Amber will be back next week. We have um, uh, a list of guests that we're going to be having come on soon. It's just been really difficult with the scheduling. But if you want to be part of our show, call in and leave your questions at 213 213-375-5258. Again, if you want to be part of the show, call in, leave your question. We don't tape live. Our producer, Ann, will call you, schedule the call. The number, again, is 213-375-5258. And um, we'll see you guys soon. Be well. Bye.